You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Demons are real. Satan is real. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and the rulers of this dark world. And it's a real thing. It's a real thing. These are real entities. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And there are degrees of of how Satan affects somebody's life. And what we have before us this morning is the absolute extreme example. One great mistake that believers make is to deny the power and influence of Satan. He's real, and he's powerful, though limited by God. And Satan takes pleasure in influencing believers to stray from God towards evil. Today, Pastor Danny will exhort you to be on guard. Don't allow the devil a foothold in your life, which can easily become a stronghold. Stay away from things that open you up to the enemy, like false doctrine or willful disobedience to God. Instead, take your thoughts captive and stay close to Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 5, as he begins his message, The Case of the Deviled Ham. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Before I read the text, let me give you just a little bit of background that I think is important. End of Mark, chapter 4, is a record of Jesus telling his disciples, get into the boat. They get into the boat. They're headed to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, On their journey, a squall, a storm arises. So much so, it's so bad that the the boat is being swamped. The disciples think they're going to die. Jesus is asleep in the stern, the rear of the boat. They wake him up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? He gets up. He rebukes the wind and the waves. It's completely calm. And they go, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Which is interesting. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. I believe the storm had its origin in hell. You say, Satan has that kind of power? Absolutely. Limited, but he does have power. In Revelation 12 and 13, uh, Revelation 12, a yet future event in a time known as the Great Tribulation, which soon coming upon the earth, Satan will send a flood in an attempt to destroy Israel. And God will open up the earth and swallow up the flood. In Revelation 13, Satan empowers one of his servants. We call him the false prophet. And the false prophet actually has the power to call down fire from heaven in full view of men to deceive the inhabitants of the earth. Old Testament in the book of Job, uh, God protects Job. Uh, Satan wants to get at Job. Job is a blameless man, upright, 
fears God, but God, for his own purpose, allows the hedge of protection to be breached in Joe's life. Satan goes at him, and when Satan goes at him, he's allowed to destroy his possessions and his servants by sending fire from heaven. Job's children are all together having a meal in one of the children's houses, and Satan causes a wind to crash the house and kill all of Job's children. I believe the storm had its origin in hell because Satan is looking to destroy Jesus and his disciples, not only to keep him from going to the cross, but to keep him here from going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Well, what's going to happen on the other side if they get there? Well, they do, and here's what happens. Verse 1, chapter 5, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. The larger geographic area is known as the Decapolis. Decapolis means ten cities. After Alexander the Great's conquest years ago of this area, uh, a lot of Greeks settled in this area, and there was a lot of idolatry, people serving uh, everyone and anything except the God of Israel. And so it became, if you will, a stronghold area for Satan. They went to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. It's interesting the deliverance didn't happen immediately. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number. So stop and think about that. Did one demon go in each pig? Did more than one demon go in each pig? There's at least 2,000 demons. A legion could have been as many as 6,000. Could have been three demons per pig. That's a lot of demons. That's a lot of bacon. <laughs> the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Luke's account tells us that this man had not worn clothes for some time. He had not lived in a house for some time. And not only was he chained hand and foot, but they guarded him, but even the guards could not contain him. 
Now he's dressed in his right mind, no change needed, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Would you please leave? He does leave, but very important, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him. But he said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he does, but he doesn't stop with just his family. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. He becomes an evangelist for Jesus. He goes from town to town in the whole area of the Decapolis. And even if you had never met this man personally, you'd heard about him. Now he's free. He's a new man. New life. And even though they tell Jesus to leave, (laughs) he leaves behind a witness. It's a powerful witness. They asked me again last week, what's the title of your message? It's the case of the deviled ham. (laughs) The demons beg Jesus, don't send us into the abyss. That's what Luke tells us. Mark doesn't tell us that. Don't send us into the abyss. Send us into the pigs. Why don't they want to go into the abyss, and what is the abyss? Well, if you're a note-taker, Revelation 9 and Jude 6. Revelation 9 and Jude 6. Jude 6 tells us that there's a place, a place where some of the most rebellious and the impression you get is the most powerful demons are kept somewhere down under. It's a real place called the abyss. The most rebellious and most powerful, and they are kept there. It's demon prison. Not all demons are there, but some of the most powerful and most rebellious are there. Revelation 9 predicts that in the great tribulation, a period coming upon the earth, that the key to the abyss, it will be unlocked. Key unlocks the abyss, and all these creatures come out upon the earth and begin to afflict people. You say, I don't believe in that. Well, you're wrong. Because it's all through the Bible. It's all through the four Gospels. You realize how many times Jesus encountered demons in his ministry? When you were reading through Matthew, did you notice? Back in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 24, news about Jesus spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 22, then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And obviously, the demon, the spirit, was the one causing him not to be able to see or speak. Very interesting. You go back to Mark's gospel, and in Mark's gospel, chapter 1 
You get in the opening chapter, verse 21, then they came to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue. He goes into the church service and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, he's at church, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, be quiet. Nobody was sleeping in this service, let me tell you. (laughs) Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently. And he came out with a shriek. Ah! That's an exciting church service there, buddy. Let me tell you. You're either going to have people leaving the church or you're going to have a lot of people coming to the church after something like that happens. You're going to have people leaving who don't want to deal with demons and people that are demon-possessed. But you're going to have people coming who want to be set free. And know people who are out of control and they want to be set free. It's not a popular topic. (laughs) But it's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. Over and over and over again. It took me back to the early days of her ministry. There was a prostitute in St. Petersburg. She became connected with our church. She made a commitment to Christ. I'll just tell her your first name. Her name's Cindy. My wife and I at the time didn't have kids. Uh, Cindy had no place to go to live, and we, we brought her into our apartment. She lived with us for a period of time. She had scars, literally scars all over her body. She had made blood deals with the devil. She messed with my theology on demon possession. She messed with it. And I still believe, I still believe that a person truly born again can't be demon possessed. I can't see the Holy Spirit being willing to share a house with demons. Nevertheless, I've seen some things that I don't understand. I have to conclude, based on my understanding of the Scriptures, that some people are not truly born again yet. Now, you know, there are just some things, though, that mess with the theology. Bottom line is, bottom line is, uh, we, we never dealt with anything like this before. Somebody told us about a guy at the time over at Suncoast Cathedral Church who had a deliverance ministry. We got a hold of him. Name's Ron. He's with the Lord now, but he was willing to come over and help us. And I had four elders from our church. And I had Ron from Suncoast Cathedral come to our apartment with Cindy, and uh, we prayed over her, and weird stuff started happening. Cindy began to get out of control. Uh, our elders tried to hold her down on the carpet. We learned that's, that's not the way you deal with demon-possessed people. You don't try to restrain them physically. You try to restrain them physically, woohoo, bad things can happen. And I watched Cindy pick up four elders from the carpet of our apartment. I was there. My wife was there. I'm telling you, we're not kooks. It happened. <laughs> Weird. I just thank God it didn't happen in the church service. And Cindy had, I don't know if it was Legion. I don't know how many. Not long after, we had another lady, first name Shirley. She had made a decision for Christ as well. And uh, she was having issues. We had her over to our apartment. And she manifested this thing that was not her. 
It was a voice. It was a, and I'm telling you, it's like a video in my mind that I'd like to erase, but I can't. I, I don't know all the theological parameters because some of it messes with my theology. I can't see as someone who's truly born again who, who is demon-possessed. But here's the point. Here's the point. Demons are real. Satan is real. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and the rulers of this dark world. And it's a real thing. It's a real thing. These are real entities. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And there are degrees of of how Satan affects somebody's life. And what we have before us this morning is the absolute extreme example. You can't get more extreme than this dude. He's out of control. They've chained him. They've guarded him. Uh, Now he's ripped all his clothes off. He's running around naked. He's living in the tombs. He's cutting himself. You lived in the area. You could hear him. You could hear him from the graveyard. It's a real-life horror story. If you lived in the area, as soon as the sun set, kids, get in the house. And in real life, in real life, we're gonna, you're going to reach people like this? It's not your normal church activity. And I'm not saying it's something for the brand-new Christian and, and certain, you know, things are happening in our youth group where the Holy Spirit's moving, and, and there are some things where I'm like, you know, I've got to talk to my son, and we're learning, but, you know, and some of the ages of the things they're having to deal with, you know, I understand all that. Nevertheless, it's a real thing. It's a real battle. And if we're going to reach out to people that Satan has, it's not going to always be nice and cozy and comfortable and, you know, uh, sipping coffee and, hey, nice church service. It's not going to be that. Sometimes it gets messy. There's degrees of influence on a person's life. And the one before us is the extreme. Why? Why? Because God wants us to know that nobody's without hope. You can't get more extreme. than You can't get anybody more given over to the enemy than this guy. And I began to ask questions as I was studying. What in the world did he do to allow Satan to impact his life? So how, what did he do to allow so many demons to possess his body and possess his life? What did he do? I began to think, and there all kinds of possibilities, but God didn't tell us. And when I came to and I put in my notes, and the bottom line is it doesn't matter what he did. It just matters that he met Jesus. And this story tells us that nobody is without hope. The person everybody else has given up on and all the things in the world and in the church, and nobody's able to help them listen. For the church that has the Spirit of God and Jesus at the center, we got the answer. We got the answer. Nobody's without hope. This is the extreme example, but, oh, there are things. There are things that we allow Satan influence in our lives. Be careful. Now, some of the obvious ones are, you know, the occult, and that involves lots of things. Ouija boards, stay away from them. Your kids are living in your house and you got control. When they get on their own, they got to make their own choices. But you don't let a Ouija board in your house. Tarot cards, no way. There's a new thing now, spiritualism. And some of the spiritualism has these nice outward tones to it. It's of the devil. Spiritualism. There's a lot of things you can open yourself up to the enemy. 
Some of the obvious are things like that. Uh, the word pharmakia in Revelation, where it describes those who are not part of the kingdom, who are cast into outer darkness and not going to go into eternity with Christ. And one of the words describing a type of person that's not going to go into the kingdom is pharmakia. Pharmakia, those who use drugs. And sometimes they use it in occultic practices. But let me tell you, just drug use. Drug use can open the door. Well, what do you think Satan wants? He wants to enslave somebody those drugs. Enslave them. That's what he's come to do. Rob them of freedom. Rob them of real life. And the deeper they go in that addiction, the more life they lose. That's what Satan wants. So drug use can open the door for the, the enemy's influence in one's life. The occult can open the door. But sometimes it can be passed on. It's called generational curses. We, don't even, I, we shouldn't even mention that one. But look, you break a generational curse by faith in Jesus Christ. You don't, anybody says you've got to do all this stuff, you just, faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You've just broken it. You come to know Jesus, you stop Satan's influence and the generational transition into your family. You stopped it by faith in Christ. But let me give you some things that might surprise you. Might surprise you. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read it for us. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds. Strongholds aren't, don't start out as strongholds. They start out as footholds. Over time, they become strongholds. We listen to the rest of the verse. We demolish arguments. Wow. One person says this, one person says this, and they're arguing which way is right. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, here it is, every thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, listen, think about this deeply. Think about it. Get behind me, Satan. Was Peter demon-possessed? Absolutely not. But he was certainly influenced in his thinking. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Listen, wrong thinking. You can open yourself up to the influence of the enemy. That's why we have the word of God. There's a way that seems right unto a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. Wrong thinking. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. That in the last days, and we are living in them, some will believe doctrines. He's talking about religious teachings taught by demons. The Jehovah's Witnesses that repeatedly have come to my door over the years. I love them. They're moral people. They're nice people. They're dedicated people. They serve a different Jesus. The Jesus they serve is God with a little G. He had a beginning. Elohim created him. My Jesus had a beginning as a man, but no beginning as God. He is God, very God, with a capital of G, without beginning of days or end of life. The both can't be right. And their doctrine, where do you think it came from? Very believable. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Joseph Smith, when he went out and met the angel and the angel appeared to him, I have no doubt he, he appeared, an angel appeared to him, an angel that looked good and sounded good, but gave him a false doctrine. Now we call it Mormonism. 
We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to The Living Word? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.